0: Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God, we find written in St. John's Gospel, reading there in the 18th chapter, the 14th verse. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews, that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Lord Jesus, open thou my lips, that my mouth may show forth thy praise. Amen. Good evening, dear friends in Christ Jesus. I realize it's a cold night, and I suppose it was quite a temptation to some of us to say, this is a good night to stay home. But I'm glad that you're here. I suppose that all of us, when we finish a day and we think of the cares and the troubles that we have, that it's it's a joy to come into God's house, and I believe that just coming into the sanctuary just helps, doesn't it? We feel the presence of God, and I hope we do that tonight. This is the Lenten season, as you know, the 40-day period. When we as Christians, we set this time of the church year apart to consider the sufferings and the death of Jesus. What we are doing here in our church on this Lenten season is this. We are looking at some of the characters who played a part in the sufferings and death of Jesus. There weren't too many of them. But as we are viewing them, we are saying, I wonder what their story would be like if they lived today in our 20th century. And if they came back and they told us just what had happened. And so each Wednesday night we are allowing some character to speak to us. So far we have had Judas tell his story, Judas the betrayer. Then we had Simon Peter, the denier, tell his story. Last Wednesday night you know it was John, the beloved disciple, that told us his story. Tonight it's going to be a man that we call Caiaphas. There was a writer who lived about this time, a man by the name of Josephus. And he calls Caiaphas by the name also of Joseph Caiaphas. So we often refer to this man as Joseph Caiaphas. He was the high priest. I wonder if we really know his story. I wonder if we really, in looking in the word of God, have really discovered just who this man, Joseph Caiaphas, the high priest, really was. If he were alive and were standing where I'm standing tonight, on the basis of the scriptures we may say, I wonder what kind of a story he would have to tell. And on the basis of the word of God, I think it would go something like this. I am Joseph Caiaphas. I am the high priest of Israel. I am the man that represents the people to God. I am the man who, when I was installed in my office as high priest, I had the miter put on my head and engraved in gold on the front of that mitre were the words, and they still are there, holiness to the Lord. I know that sounds good to you tonight, when I, Caiaphas, tell you, I was the high priest of my people. I wore the mitre, holiness to the Lord. And yet my story doesn't run like that, my friends. I want you to know that when you say to yourself, who was really responsible for the death of Jesus Christ? Who was the real primary and direct cause of his death? I want to confess at the very beginning that it was I, Joe Keyless. I am the man that plotted his death. I am the man that concocted that scheme from the very beginning to the end. And you may say, oh no, Caiaphas, you were the high priest of God. And I was. But I want you to know that that scheme, that plan was mine. That scheme grew in my mind sinful, dirty, and criminal. From start to finish, it was my plot. Oh, I had collaborators, but I was the one. And if you want to point the finger at any one man, and you want to say, who was it that sent my Lord to the cross? I want to tell you, it was I, Joseph Caiaphas. I know you can't understand that. I was reared in a God-fearing home. My parents trained me from early childhood to know the true God. I decided that I wanted to enter the priesthood. But you may say, Caiaphas, how in the world could you be the high priest of God and concoct such a scheme to murder the Son of God, the Savior? Perhaps I could explain it to you If I would tell you that I belong to a group of individuals who were called the Sadducees. Maybe that doesn't mean much to you in the 20th century. But in your word of God you read that the Sadducees, they were a group very influential, rather rich, highly cultured, who did not believe in the resurrection from the dead. Mind you, I the high priest of God, oh, I believed in God, yes, after a fashion, but I was a rationalist. Anything about religion that I couldn't reason out for myself, I refused to believe. I wouldn't take anything on faith. And therefore, even though I was the high priest, I laughed at the idea of a resurrection from the dead. To me, the most ridiculous thing in the world was that anybody would ever rise from the dead, or that there was life beyond the grave, or that there was hell and damnation awaiting a person. To me, that was laughable. That was ridiculous. Why, I'll tell you, one day I sent some of my uh, fellow Sadducees to Jesus and this Jesus had been talking about the resurrection and he had been talking about a life beyond the grave and been talking about eternal punishment and that was so ridiculous to me and so absurd that I sent some of my representatives and I had them all fixed up so that they would show Jesus how ridiculous it was. And so I told them to tell Jesus and to be sure and have a crowd around to tell them this story and they went to him one day and they said Jesus you talk about a life beyond the grave and you talk about the resurrection of the body and you talk about eternal punishment and they said uh, remember what Moses said about those if they got married, if a man married a wife and he didn't have any children, that then Moses said if he had a brother, the brother was to marry this wife and the first child was to be legally the son of the father that had died. You remember that. And then they said, now Jesus, this actually happened. And I had this story all concocted for them. They told Jesus once upon a time there were seven brothers, Jesus. And uh, Jesus listened attentively. He said, the first brother married a wife, and he had no children, and he died. So the second brother was to marry her, the labyrinth married. So the second brother married her, and he died. And the third brother married her, and he died without any children. And so the fourth, fifth, and sixth, and seventh brother, they all married the same woman. And they all died, and then she died. And then I had my said to say, now, Jesus... <laughs> uh, whose, <laughs> whose wife, whose wife is she going to be in the resurrection? Oh, I couldn't think of anything crazier and more absurd than that. But you know what? Uh, say this, Jesus. He was right on the ball. He kind of he kinda embarrassed. He looked at my fellow Sadducees and he said, uh, First of all, you don't know the scriptures. You've never read them. Uh, you haven't read that in heaven there will be no marriage and there will be no giving in marriage. And boy, he, he set down my fellow Sadducees and I didn't like him very much for that. He said, and haven't you read in your scriptures some of the Bible? I believe, of course, haven't you read that God said, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. And he told my fellow Sadducees, God didn't say he was their God. He said, I am. And, you know, I, I just didn't like that. But you may wonder how I... Uh, Joe Kefis that I could have concocted the scheme from start to finish to put him to death but uh, he was pretty smart that day I thought well I'll get him well I'm a sad you see and I I didn't believe in the resurrection I didn't believe in any life beyond the grave to me when you died you died and that was it I didn't believe in angels that weren't such beings and I didn't believe that in spirits that man had a soul death was the end I didn't believe that God had anything to do with human life that God ever guided life it was just a hidden miss fatal thing and yet uh, you wonder how I could scheme it I was a sad you see, see I was a smart man I was you know, you've got him in your 20th century, too, you know. Uh, they couldn't believe in anything like a life beyond the grave. Uh, they couldn't believe in a crowd. Well, I couldn't either, but I was high priest. You may say, well, then, Caiaphas, what in the world did you go into the priesthood for? Well, I'll tell you why I went in. I went in to make some money, and I want to tell you it was a great racket. You haven't any idea how much money you could make when you became the high priest? I was appointed by Hagan. I was appointed appointed by my father-in-law and he had been appointed by the Roman government. It would be as if your president appointed the head of your church. And I followed my father-in-law, and Oh, you may say, well, how does it come so lucrative? Well, you remember, don't you, hearing in your Bible stories about how all the people came to Jerusalem and how they would offer sacrifices, a lamb or a goat. Well, I had charge and we sold lambs and goats right at the temple. And let me tell you, I got the top price for them. We gouged them wherever we could and that was mine. And then again, if they brought their own lamb or their own goat, we had to inspect it. And we charged them as much as we could get for inspecting their own animals. So that brought us. And then we had the money changer. We wouldn't let them pay their temple tax with Roman money. They had to pay it with Jewish money, the shekel. And I'm telling you, my money changers, we were something again. We, you want to know why I was wealthy and why I went into the priesthood? And I was a wealthy man, and this was it. And then came this upstart, this man that you call your Savior Jesus of Nazareth, why he came down to Jerusalem about three years before his death and he walked into the temple. And I had charge of that temple, I'll have you know. And he walked in and he took a rope and he started after my money changer and he kicked over the tables with the money and he drove out the cattle and he said, you've made my father's house a house of merchandise. And I thought, who is this young upstart? We're going to do something about that. He's not going to spoil my racket. I'll let him know I'm high priest. I'm running this temple. I represent the people to God. He's not going to cut in on my racket. And right then and there, I decided something's going to have to go. And that's when this plot began in my mind. That's one man we've got to get rid of. Well, I had some of my fellow Sadducees watch him and shadow him, but the more they watched him, the more the people began to hear him, and he became popular, and I couldn't stand that. He was drawing traffic away from me, and I was to be the head man, and I wasn't going to allow it, and he was performing miracles, so I heard. And the people were coming and hearing him, and I decided something had to be done. Then one day... I heard that he had raised a man from the dead who had been dead for four days. A man by the name of Lazarus. They told me he lived up on Bethany, up on the Mount of Olives. And oh, then I heard, oh, Jesus of Nazareth. Here is the Messiah that we're waiting for. Here is the Christ he raised. A Lazarus had been dead for four days, and that burned me to a crisp. I didn't know whether it was true or not, but I decided something had to be done. And so this little scheme in my mind, it began to take shape. So I called together the Sanhedrin. You may not know what the senator was. It was like, like your high court, like your supreme court. There were 70 members of this court, and I was the head of it. And I called them together when I heard this thing about this Jesus of Nazareth raising a Lazarus from the dead. And I got them together, and I looked at them, and I said, Now listen here, you stupid fools. I said, You say this Jesus of now what he's doing to us? we who are the leaders of Israel and he is getting a lot of notoriety and the people are following him and he's taking them away from us and we're losing our power you stupid fools I told them when we got together it is expedient that one man should die for the people you've read those words haven't you did you realize that I Joe this? I didn't realize it But I had just spoken prophecy that God had used me to say something that in one sense is beautiful. You couldn't say it any better. Don't you believe that it was better that Jesus died than that the whole world should perish? Isn't that what you believe about your Savior, that when He died on the cross, He died for you, and that therefore it was better that He die so that you might not go to hell and be saved? That's what I said, but I didn't know that that's what I was saying. You couldn't say it any better. Oh, if I had just had sense enough to know that God was using me, the high priest, and that I had just uttered something beautiful and wonderful. But to me, that isn't what I meant. When I said, listen, you stupid fools, it is expedient that one man should die for the people. What I meant was, listen, this man's got to die. We've got to put this man to death, let's face it. If we don't, why, he's going to take all the people away from us and the Roman eagle will come in and they'll take our power. What I was really saying, this man's got to die. It's better that he die than that Caiaphas loses his racket. But I lose my money and my wreck off that I'm getting in the temple. But that's what I said. I didn't realize That I had made a wonderful prophecy. Oh, how close God was to me. But I, Caiaphas, spoke something beautiful. You couldn't say it any better. It is expedient, isn't it, that one man, Jesus, should die for the people. But I meant it in a diabolical, terrible way. It's better for him to die than for Caiaphas to lose his racket. And so I told the Sanderton that day, we're going to put him to death. So we we passed the death sentence on him. This man's got to die. Mind you, before there was any crime or there was any accusation that we had against him. Then somebody came to see me one day. No, I was thrilled. Said his name was Judas. Said he had come from Karyoth and he just came him in, he said, uh, Mr. High Priest, I know that you would like to get your hands on this man, Jesus of Nazareth. How much would you get me if I delivered him to you privately so that the mobs won't mob you? And, oh, this is what I was looking for. I thought, well, here's one of these 12. Even he doesn't believe in him. So we deckered, and I said, oh, I'll give you 10 pieces of stuff. He said, no, that's not enough. I will. I'll make it 15. How will that? No. So, I, how about 20? And he said, no, uh, let's make it 25. He said, no, if you make it 30, we've got a deal. So I counted out 30 pieces or so over, and I gave them to Judas. And I said, all right, am depend on you. And, boy, this thing was working this was the plot. And so I was waiting. Well, then, uh, then came what you call Palm Sunday. And this Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And all the people all cried, Hosanna to the Son of David. And that burned me up. And all oh, my antagonism, my hatred of him was going down. And I said to my fellow, I said, this man's got to be put to death. He's got to get out of here. We, this world's not big enough for this Jesus and for Caiaphas. Then on that Monday, he came back into my temple and he cleaned it up a second time. The first time about three years before this. And he kicked over the tables with the money and he drove out the cattle and the money changers. And he called the temple a den of thieves. Well, it was. But after all, that was my racket. He wasn't going to get in on my racket. He wasn't going to take my money. I knew this man had to be put to death there was no doubt about it and then came Thursday night it was no surprise my friends when I was awakened about midnight and I was told that they were bringing this Jesus of Nazareth to me why I had this thing all plotted I knew that Judas had done his work and I was glad, but of course they didn't have my sanded together, so I sent out messengers to get them up, get the elders and the scribes and get them here. And in order to uh, just simply to lag for time and just to stall, uh, they took Jesus to my father-in-law, Annas, and he, he asked him some questions, and they just stalled for time. And so we got enough of the sanded together so we could hold court. Of course it was illegal to hold it at night, but we did. And then they brought this Jesus. In front of me, and I really strutted my stuff. I looked at him, and again, I was waiting for him. Mind you, I was a little embarrassed. We had already passed the death sentence, but we simply didn't have a charge. What crime? So the big job I had was to find a crime. Uh, whereby we could carry out the sentence that we had already decided on, that it would look legal and look all right. And I I must confess, my friends, I had a terrible time. I had a bunch of witnesses get up, and they were telling everything, but it didn't go And Finally, there were two witnesses. They got up and they said, "Uh, we heard this man say that I will destroy the temple of God and build it again in three days. And I thought, well, that'd do it. Anybody that would destroy the temple Why, that would be a terrible thing, and that must be punishable by death. But uh, these two witnesses, they they didn't rehearse this thing enough, and so uh, it just didn't go and I just couldn't. I just couldn't say, you're going to die because of that, because uh, people would say, well, uh, that crime, you didn't prove it. And you know what burned me up when these two said that? Uh, This Jesus stood there, and he didn't say a thing. Everything was quiet. And it was that kind of quietness, you know, that just sort of roars. It was the kind that, you know, you can almost cut it. And it just got me, and I thought, I'll make him talk. He thinks he's going to stand there and be quiet. I'll put him on the roll. So I looked at him, and with all the dignity of my office, I said, listen, Jesus. I adjure thee by the living God, I put you under oath, and you're going to swear before God, are you the Christ, the Son of God? How about it, are you? Are you God's Son? I put him on a rose. I thought, I'll make you talk, you Jesus. You'll stand before Cephas, and you won't talk. You're going to talk. Tell me. You know, he looked me right in the eye, and he said, Yes, I am, just as you have said. I am the Christ, the Son of God. That's what I was waiting for. Then I stood there and I tore my robe off, and oh, with a righteous indignation, I said, Listen, all the standard and shutters said, Amen, this is the Savior. But I said, listen, this man has spoken blasphemy, spoken evil of God. He calls himself God's son. This man, Jesus, he's guilty of death. And everybody cried, he's guilty of death. He's guilty of death at all. Oh, oh, I felt real good. But finally, I had a charge. You are guilty of death. You have made yourself God's son. You. Jesus of Nazareth, you deserve to die. Now I was getting rid of him, this upstart that was going to spoil my racket. Yeah, I, Caiaphas the high priest, I passed the sentence on him. So then I let my soldiers take him and all. Oh, we had some fun. They took him, and they spit in his face, and you know how you like to have somebody spit in your, but they did, and they covered up his eyes, and then they blindfolded him, they hit him, and then they said, come on, if you're the Son of God, and you're a prophet, who's hitting him? They hit him, no, oh, you know, it was fun. I thought it was great stuff. He didn't realize I was joking with us. Hi, please. I was showing him. Well, I got rid of him. I got rid of him. I conceived and I concocted that plot. And I want you to know I was the man. If you want to point the finger at any man you pointed at me. I was the one that sentenced the Son of God to death. But you know. There's something that haunts me. I think you've read it in your word, but I wonder if you really realize what it meant. You know, after I said to him, you're guilty of blasphemy, and after under oath he said, I am, as you say, I am the priceless son of God. You know, he whispered something to me. Did you ever read it? He looked me straight in the eye, and he said, Hereafter, Caiaphas, Shall ye see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming in the cloud of heaven? Does that mean to you? Here's what he whispered to me. He said, listen, Caiaphas. Tonight you're seated at the right hand of power. And oh, you're standing there and I'm before you. And you are condemning me to death on blasphemy when I, under oath, have just sworn in the name of God that I am the Messiah, the Son of God. But Caiaphas, when we meet again, I, the Son of Man, will be seated at the right hand of power. And Caiaphas, you're going to be standing in front of me like I'm standing in front of you now. Caiaphas, the tables are going to be reversed when you and I meet again. Friends, I know he lives. I sentence him to death, but I know that he came back. And if you want to know what digs in my soul and what rings like a bell, it's the horror of the day when he's coming again because he told me that night, Caiaphas, I've got an appointment with you. When I come again at the last day, I, the Son of Man, will be seated at the right hand of power, and I'll come in the clouds of heaven. And Caiaphas, you're going to stand before me. And when you stand before me, you, the high priest, when you knew I was the Christ, the Son of God, when you should have declared me to the world, when God depended upon you, you deliberately condemned me to death, Satan, when we realize that Satan, you have filled his heart of Caiaphas. And Caiaphas, Satan has bought you lock, stock, and barrel. When you stand before me on the day of judgment, I will spew you out of my mouth. I will condemn you, body and soul, to hell. If you want to know, you're looking forward to his coming with joy when your bodies will be raised up from the dead. You will be reunited with your souls and you'll be reunited with your loved ones. I've got a horror. I've got a rendezvous with him at the last day, when the tables are turned and he will stand and tell me, Caiaphas, I will spew you out of my mouth. And it's a horror, and I stand and I look forward to that day and I'm afraid. And I say, No, no, Jesus, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. No, I believe there's life beyond the grave. No, I believe there's hell. But it's too late. No, no, no. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding. Keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting.